Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 13. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Join me and my two special guest co-hosts, Wayne Newman and Zane Dennis, as we discuss becoming an elder. The Crosstalk Podcast is not a sermon, a Bible class, or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope you'll find edifying and that will encourage you to have these types of spiritual conversations with people in your life. And now let's jump right into that conversation. I had a lot of sleepless nights thinking, how in the world am I going to be able to be accountable for 350 people? And, and, and it, I thought about that a lot. I spent a lot of sleepless nights thinking about that. Um, so there hasn't anything that surprised me yet, but I'm sure there probably will be. But uh, it, it's prepping for it was uh, that month and a half. If we do elders again, I'm going to suggest we do like a one-week process or something. Because, <laughs> man, I went too to, much anticipation. That was, a, that was a tough month and a half or two months or however. I don't even remember now how long it was, but it was a long time or it seemed like a long time. Well, I have actually gotten a surprise, and this is not some deep spiritual meaning to it or anything, but I, I just always have hated meetings. Got something to talk about? Okay, say it, and then let's go, because I hate meetings. But it, it's been really surprising to me how much I literally look forward to our weekly meetings, where I'm sitting in a room with just absolutely the the best people on this planet in my mind. I mean, Amen. they're just, just the best of the best. People with whom I can honestly say that I'm sitting in there in one accord with these guys. You know, I mean, we are absolutely in agreement that uh, about our purpose. You know, I, I, I love Ron's response to anything anyone says. He'll sit there and listen patiently to the most outlandish idea. But then when, he, when it's all said and done, he says, explain to me how this is going to glorify God. Because that's the objective, mm-hmm. and that's the objective of everyone in that room. And that has just been a, a surprise fringe benefit. And that really, the eldership was the reason I came here. Of course, y'all weren't in it then, but it's just gotten better since you guys have been there. But um, I was at camp, and I got a phone call from Ron, and uh, he, he turned down an invitation to be with us today. So we'll just talk about him since Let's he's not talk here. About we'll, talk, we'll talk behind his back. <laughs> um, but he he called me and you know asked me if I'd be interested in coming, looking at this opportunity to work here. And and I thought, if that's how an elder, if one of their elders talks that way and is that spiritually minded, I got to go check this congregation out. And, and I mean, it's been almost four years now of sitting in elder meetings, and I feel the same way as the preacher. I feel like that is my one of my favorite times of the whole week. And there are very few preachers that, that I've ever known that could say that, that one of their favorite times of the week is sitting in on the elders yeah. meeting. Yeah, there's a lot of stereotypes that, that go with the relationship between eldership and, and ministers and all that, and, mm-hmm. and that... That may be true in other places, but I just don't find those things true here at all. Mm-hmm. It's it, there. I think there's an amazing working relationship between you and Luke and the eldership and mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys think that congregations, I mean, not just your experience here, but your experience 
just in the church in general over the years? I mean, is there anything that you think that congregations could do to intentionally prepare guys for that call, you know, for the opportunity to serve, to get them to a point? Because I think I think that idea, when you look at that idea about aspiring to the office of overseer, it's really the idea of stretching yourself out for it. It shouldn't be something that, oh, well, I've never thought about that. You know, I mean, it really should be something that, yeah, I've I've applied myself to be this kind of man my entire life. And so it's humbling and um, it's completely overwhelming that somebody would ask, but um, but I think it should be something that men are aspiring to. It should be something that they're aspiring not just to the office, but to be that type of a man. So do you think that there are things that congregations ought to be doing to equip and prepare men to be elders someday? Yes. Um, I, I, I wish for the last maybe two or three years that I had been attending a class that would help me prepare for that. Because although we were prepared for this, even as we were um, brought up as deacons, and, and you know that, that's your process as you go through that, it's deacons and then you become elders, and I think everybody knows that and everybody expects that to some extent. <clears throat> but I think a class, because there were some things that uh, as we started studying and we go through our questions and we start responding back to scriptures with the elders that I would have studied a little bit more and had a little bit more insight on the eldership as a whole. And and maybe it's more from my perspective that it mentally prepares me. I I knew some of the scriptures, and I, I make it sound like I was ignorant to some of that, and I don't mean it like that. I just maybe... uh, thought about it in a little bit different way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think to have a class, and like you said, for, for those that are inspiring, and, and, and people should be. Matter of fact, I've already told a couple of people here at Becker Heights, the next time this thing comes around, your name's coming up, bud, so get ready. And, and, and so maybe we ought to go sit down with those guys right now mm-hmm. and start having – maybe a class isn't the – Right word. Maybe it's just sitting around like we are right now and start talking about, and, and and maybe that helps prepare them. And they come in, not to say that Wayne and I weren't prepared coming in, but the more armor of God that they have mm-hmm. is 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 going to help them and, and make them advance more in that position. I agree with that, and I think it behooves us as elders. To reach out to these to these guys that that we see coming up, for example, the guy who sometimes sits in this chair. Mm-hmm. There's an example, and, uh, and 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 think about things that as you see them doing and you see them working in the kingdom and all. Look for their strengths and look look at the ways that they excel in what they're doing and point those out. And also, it doesn't hurt to pick up the phone and say. Hey, buddy, why don't you come with me? Because we're going to go over and visit Sister Brown, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's a situation that's that it's it's beyond the classroom. That's a real world environment where they can actually see firsthand one Christian serving another, and and that's what it's really all about. I mean, it's just about service. And don't you think that that's that's the way everything is supposed to happen in the church? I mean, 
discipleship, I mean, that's the model that we have. I mean, Jesus took these 12 young men under his wing and taught them what they were going to need to know before he sent them out. And then they did the same for others. And, you know, you have Paul and Timothy, and, you know, you have these types of relationships where older men take a younger man or younger men under their wing and teach them what they need to know to be the men that they're supposed to be. Second Timothy 2, too. You know, I mean, take these things and pass them on to faithful men who will teach them to faithful men. And I don't think that we do that enough. I don't think that we um, have those types of informal mentoring relationships where we just see something special in somebody or we see a kindred spirit or whatever the case may be. Whatever the reason is that we strike up a friendship with someone, but we we begin that with some intentionality to teach them, to train them, to mentor them, to help them, to equip them, and and all the things that go along with it. That's the way it should be in the church, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we should also not only apply it to being elders, but also deacons. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in deacons, it almost seems like okay, you've had a kid, so now you're ready to go in to be a deacon, and, and that's <laughs> right. not that's really not the the protocol for that process. But sometimes I think in a facetious way, that that's the way we, we put that up. And I think we ought to have more training. And I think Wayne's right. It, it's not training necessarily as sitting in a classroom and getting something beat over your head, but go out with somebody else and, and work as a servant to mm-hmm. to others. And, and uh, you get to see it firsthand. You get to uh, walk the talk, walk the walk. I can't finish it. <laughs> Walk the walk I, another, and talk to I don't know yeah. how you intentionally do this, but but uh, being married to the daughter of an elder for thirty two years, mm-hmm. um, that will that might not prepare you, but that certainly puts you in the right frame of mind to to know what to expect when you do become one. Mm-hmm. Because Jan literally grew up, you know, in in the home of an elder. She was never she has no memories. I don't think. I don't think her dad was an elder when she was born. I don't really remember. But anyway, she has no memories of uh, of him not being. Her wow. brother is, I don't remember, 20-some-odd years older than her. So um, that will and, – and, and, and when you say, how do you do that intentionally? Well, that's how the church is supposed to be. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we're supposed to be brought up in the church, and, and we're supposed to – go out and look for a mate that's in the church. And so but how many people have have literally quote unquote grown up in the church but they have never had a relationship with an elder. I mean they've never they don't have one in their family. They 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 may have been in congregations with elders mm-hmm. but but they've never spent any time with them. I mean they think well, I don't want to spend any time with an elder. That means I'm in trouble or something like that. You know, and they have this this idea that you know that they're at an arm length, or that the elders are just these guys that sit in a boardroom somewhere and make decisions that the rest of the people complain about, and um, you know, and, and they've never really, they've never. I mean, that, that's the way that it is. You know, I mean, I wish that that wasn't the way people thought of elders, but but it it, it is, and and so few people have actually. No, and they say, "Oh yeah, one of my best friends is an elder." Or, "Yeah, my 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 uh, my best friend growing up, his dad was an elder, or my father-in-law is an elder, or whatever." But really, number one, that's the there there ought to be more elders in the Lord's church. There are far too many congregations without elders. Period. Mm-hmm. But uh, but number two, you know, there's there's too little connected connectedness. You know, and unless you have someone in your family, there's a lot of Christians that just have never had the opportunity or never taken advantage of the opportunity to get to know some elders. 
in, in, in saying that, one of the my many sleepless nights, my uh, process for being able to be accountable for everybody in our congregation was going to be my shepherding group or the, the shepherding group that I want to be responsible for. And Wayne and I have talked in, in the last week about doing some things, maybe to be able to to uh, be able to populate that to where we can make it a functional organization, a, a, for, a functional um, a process for the people to uh, collaborate within there. And through that process, um, it's going to have to be building relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what you're saying that you know don't don't look as don't look at me as an elder. Look at me as as um, a, a Christian that's standing here beside you, and let's walk through. Let's laugh together. Mm-hmm. You know, let's have the serious conversations together. Let's study together. Let's pray together. And uh, how cool is that, man? That's just awesome. Mm-hmm. I got a friend that grew up in a in a really large congregation, and he never had that relationship with an elder. And he told me, he said, "I don't, I don't even know what that looks like," because. In his mind, the elder was the guy that went and stood down in, at the front, you know, when service was over, and then they went to their inner chambers and argued about the budget or something. I mean, he didn't. They were they were completely unapproachable to him. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't I can't even imagine that. I mean, that's so far from from anything that I've ever lived. I said, mm-hmm. you must have just not had many problems in your life. If you haven't, if you haven't developed a relationship with multiple elders, your life is is just too neat and tidy. Because mine was not. I, I can assure you. Well, and, and that's the thing that that here. Ever since I've been here, I've asked I've asked the elders. You know, how, how did you get to be these this kind of an eldership? I mean, because this kind of an eldership is so unique in the brotherhood, and to have this spiritually minded and not a. a not CEOs, not a board of directors, but mm-hmm. actual hands-on shepherding. How did you get? How did you learn that? Because you have to learn that from somewhere, and and obviously we get that from scripture if we'll just apply ourselves to learning it. But but all of them have given credit to exactly what we're talking about about being mentored. We have some some elders here that I didn't get to know, like Jennings Craig and yes. um, and Dean Hagler. You know, men that that have left a legacy, not just in the congregation, but have left a legacy within the eldership. And I have, I have told them, I mean, and they, you, you all know this, but that is something that has to be perpetuated, that it has to be, that that's a torch that's been handed to this eldership that has to be handed on to the next. Mm-hmm. You know, they were mentored by these older elders. And, and so these elders have to mentor future elders. I mean, you guys just started. And so, you know, now is the baton is being p- passed to you and it'll be passed on to others. And that's such an awesome thing that um, it, it's, it's an intimidating thing to think about that we have such a precious thing here at Baker Heights uh, that so many congregations don't have, and it has to be passed on from one generation to the next. I think it's also a constant mentorship. Mm-hmm. It's not just, I, I think to an extent, I think there's the, the four guys that were in there before Wayne and I went, there there was some mentorship going on amongst them as well as, and I'm going I'm to just use Ron as an example because I know more of Ron's friends. Look at the mentors that he has. Mm-hmm. Look at the, the preachers and some of the guys that, that he goes hunting with and he has those relationships, mm-hmm. man, I mean, that that's huge. Yeah. Um, it, as I came in, I, I asked two gentlemen, and I'm, I'm going to call their name because I, I, I want it to be known. I asked Don Ellis and Doyle Maxwell 
if they would be my mentor, mm-hmm. knowing that Floyd, Richard, Ron, and Larry are also my mentor, mm-hmm. but I also wanted those guys to be my mentor because there's a time that I'm going to need to talk about maybe something outside that, that maybe um, – I'm not right. even good at being hypothetical right. right now, but whatever the situation is, I can go outside and find somebody and and, and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I need that, and I'm going to need that even after I'm, Lord willing, 15 years in, like mm-hmm. the the four gentlemen we have now. I think it's it's a constant process. I would say that that a lot of people have come up and told me, congratulations. You know, on becoming an elder, <laughs> but <laughs> but but one lady understood more than anyone else. She said, Congre-. "No, that's not even the right word. I'm not going to say that. I don't know whether condolences. Maybe that's it." And I said, "I think you're closer. I think you really are." Was but she uh, the wife of a former? Elder? <laughs> well, she she sure is close to him. But in all honesty. Um, I, I've commented to several people that I, I don't expect this to, to last. And I know I know that there's going to be struggles and, mm-hmm. and trials coming up. But so far, it has been absolutely nothing but a joy to, to work with those other guys and, and to, to work with a, a group of Christians like we have here. It's just fun. But we still have those awkward moments. Like the first time that you have to read the green card, yes. the first time you have to stand in front of the congregation and be that response elder, and and you feel awkward in yeah. what you're doing because that you're not you've never done that before. You've mm-hmm. never stood there, and I mean, you know, I, I look back at you after you give an invitation, uh, and and once you start thinking about doing that, and you look how relaxed and comfortable y'all are. It's just an awkward moment when mm-hmm. I came down. I had to go up. I hold the green cards, and everybody's staring at me. Well, they're not really staring at me. They don't care about me. But it's just those awkward times that you have to go through. There's some of those. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's neat. It's been neat for me to watch you guys come into that room. You know, as as the preacher, you know, I relay a lot of information to the elders about you know various situations that I'm aware of. And so the that first couple of times when you guys were there and I had, you know, some confidential information to to relay to the elders and I thought mm-hmm. I, I just wasn't used to seeing you guys yeah, in that yeah. light and and to watch that that transformation, not that y'all transformed, but the way I looked at y'all had to transform because you were taking on a new role, a new responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so that's just been neat for me to to watch because so much of it is a matter of faith. You know, I mean it it's it's the faith that we put in the people to a certain extent, but it's also the faith that we put into the process that the the structure that God has put in place to say, okay, these men are elders, these men are shepherds, and so now they're they're going to be part of this shepherding process. And uh, it's just it's just neat to to say, okay, Lord, we trust you. We you know, yes. as you guys, I'm sure that's a huge thing to say, okay. I'm not perfect, though. No, you don't have to be perfect, right. but you're qualified to be a shepherd, and so we, we need you to come in and take on this responsibility. And it's putting your faith in the Lord that he knows what he's talking about when he says a group of imperfect yet spiritually mature men are going to shepherd and lead a congregation. And you say, are, 
are you are you sure? And, and, and that's okay theoretically, but what about me? You know, I mean, can I do that? And so so many congregations, I think that's where I've seen not every congregation that doesn't have elders, but I've seen some sticking points where people almost expect an elder to be perfect before they're qualified, or even the man himself feels like, well, I'm not perfect, and so I can't I can't serve. But really, it is a matter of putting our trust in the Lord to say, I I trust you that that even though I'm imperfect, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what you've asked us to do. You know, you saying saying that makes me think about when people first started coming to me and saying, "Okay, will you be willing to be an elder here at Baker Baker Heights?" And to me, by saying yes was a very arrogant answer, and uh, I struggled saying yes at at first. And and I had a conversation with Ron and Larry both about, wow, how, how do you how do you humbly say yes and and not arrogantly say yes, because um, you don't want to come across as yeah you know I'm I'm the guy y'all bring it on I I get yeah I mean, <laughs> and again knowing what I was involved in it and the seriousness of it because it it's not some it it's not a position. It's not something that you just accept and go on with it. it. It's very serious, and we're going to be held accountable for uh, what we do. So you have to take it seriously. But and that that was tough. And and John Hanson was the first. And I probably babbled all over the place. What as he was asking me, and all he was saying, like, dude, all you need to say is yes. But I just struggled saying that because I, 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 to me, it came out like it was a little arrogant. It was actually helpful to me when you made the comment. I said, I, I, "I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not worthy." And you said, "Yeah, no. If you thought you were, we wouldn't have asked you." <laughs> well, that okay. I get that. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. But it, but it is an interesting. It's interesting when you look at at how the Lord's church works, because you have men who are really not capable and really not worthy of any title or position or whatever and yet you have to believe you have you you have to trust the sanctity of the structure of the church mm-hmm. not the man but the right. structure of the church is perfect because mm-hmm. it's his perfect body yeah and so that's a, an interesting dynamic there with imperfect men mm-hmm. I told Wayne after you did that long series on elders uh, I told Wayne I said man I'm not even worthy if I should even come back in this building much <laughs> <laughs> less be, be an elder mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it, it, and I, I do think it's when it is on your mind and, and so many people are saying hey when we come up for elders we're, we're putting your name up so people start saying that to you for for a year and a half, and you keep hearing that, and, and then you started doing all those series, and man, I mean, you're 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 really in tune to what's going on, and you start thinking, well, you pull your heart out, and you're thinking, man, we we got to work on that one, and mm-hmm. it's just, I, I think that was a reality check as, as well, and um, yeah, you you know something that you mentioned earlier about what can we intentionally do to prepare men for that job? One thing that we could intentionally do is tell our teenagers, 
don't you make that bad decision right now right. because the consequences of that may last 30 years from now right. when when you've changed your heart has changed your desire to serve has changed and you've still disqualified yourself right. and that's that's something that of you course know, people, at that age I never that's people the don't last think thing. about that either that they I would think, have ever thought of. They think about that in the moment of yep. what they're doing and everything's right there. But And it's not just as a – it's at really any age. Yep. Uh, you've, I think about young marriage that go off and, and just get married on a whelm and uh, things turn out different a little bit later and how that's going to impact their, their lives. And if they have children, it impacts it more. And um, it's, it, it's tough. It's very tough. What I have always appreciated about this eldership, and and you two in particular, you know, as coming into this, um, and I th- that's why I think that you fit the dynamic so well, and why I said to you what I did, Wayne, that you know that of course you don't think that you're worthy. That's why that's why you're perfectly qualified to serve is the humility, the spiritual humility that you guys have, and that all four of our, our other elders have that that you realize your unworthiness, you realize um, that if it weren't for the grace of God, there none of us would be. Amen. A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElgay for his help in the production of this show. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating and review on iTunes so others can be encouraged as well. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day. Yeah, just about the time you think you got it all figured out, then you forget what the question was.